I'll be reading this morning from Joshua 7, 1 through 20. But the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Simri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Bethaven, to the east of Bethel, and told them, Go up and spy out the region. And so the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, Not all the people will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it, and do not weary all the people, for only a few men are there. So about three thousand men went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about thirty-six of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this, and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? And the Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Go, consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. That which is devoted is among you, O Israel, you cannot stand against your enemies until you remove it. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe that the Lord takes shall come forward clan by clan. The clan that the Lord takes shall come forward family by family. And the family that the Lord takes shall come forward man by man. He who is caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire, along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. Early the next morning, Joshua had Israel come forward by tribes, and Judah was taken. The clans of Judah came forward, and he took the Sarahites. He had the clan of the Sarahites come forward by families, and Zimri was taken. Joshua had his family come forward, man by man, and Achan was son of Carmi, the son of Simri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, 
my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give him praise. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan replied, It is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Thank you, Audrey. You know, there's another team leaving this week. They're uh, going to Israel. Who's going to Israel with Pastor Paul? Raise your hand. Okay, look around. You know any of them? Mr. Gummy, Susan Lear. All right, keep them in prayer too, all right? We want you to have a great trip and be protected along the way. Well, last week we learned about the fall of Jericho. It was a great victory, and the uh, power of the Lord was on display. And, and even before the Israelites had crossed the Jordan, it's like God was with them, and God was doing amazing things. Israel was on a roll. But now something had happened to derail their progress. What had happened is that Israel acted unfaithfully, in regards to the devoted things. Now, here's what the devoted things were. God said, all the gold, silver, iron, and bronze that you find in Jericho, those are to be devoted to the Lord, and they are to go into his treasury, and you can't keep anything from the city of Jericho. Now, that was part of the teaching of the law called first fruits, where God got the first of everything. So if you had some trees in your orchard, the first ripe fruit from that tree, that went to the Lord. Um, Your first squash from the garden went to the Lord. The first calf or lamb or goat that was born to an animal, that went to the Lord. It was an act of faith because you had to believe that God would provide more for you out of that. And it was a sacrifice because you had to give that up. And so these devoted things in Jericho, that was the first city to be taken. That was part of the first fruits that went to the Lord. This concept of first fruits establishes God as the priority in our lives. Now, everything was in, in Jericho was dedicated to the Lord. It was devoted to the Lord, but Israel acted unfaithfully. In verse 11 of our chapter, it says, God says, they have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. Now, who did they steal from? They stole from God, right? So now you're thinking, how does someone steal from God, right? Can we, like, steal something from God? Well, when we look at Scripture, that's mentioned somewhere else, in the book of Malachi. In Malachi chapter 3, God says to Israel, will a man rob God, but you rob me? And then the people ask, well, how have we robbed you? And God says, 
in tithes and in offerings. Your whole nation is under a curse because you are robbing me. During the time of Malachi, the nation of Israel was struggling, struggling economically. They were under pressure from foreign powers. The people are wondering, why is this happening to us? And so they ask Malachi, the prophet, to inquire of the Lord, and Malachi comes back with an answer. Part of it is, your worship is just going through the motions. Secondly, you divorced the wife of her youth, so when your wife gets old, you trade her in for someone younger, and, and you're robbing me in tithes and offerings. And so your whole nation is under a curse because of this. Now, tithes and offerings, what does a tithe mean? It's another way of saying 10%. God wanted a tenth of everything from the people. And so whether we were talking the tithe or whether we're talking the first fruits, these things belonged to the Lord. This is the opposite of giving the Lord what is left over. So how does this play out today? Well, the, new, the, the, the Old Testament teaches the tithe. Jesus affirms the tithe. St. Paul comes along, he doesn't mention the tithe, but he does give instructions for giving. He says, each one of you should think ahead of time what you're going to give. Whatever you give needs to be a sacrifice. That means it hurts a little bit. You're giving up something because you're giving to the Lord. And then whatever it is you decide to give, you need to put that aside at the first part of the week so that you don't spend it on anything else, but it goes to the Lord. So whether we're talking first fruits or the concept of the tithe or the teaching of the Apostle Paul, the scripture is telling us to make the Lord a priority in our giving. Our giving has to be sufficient to be an act of faith. It has to be sufficient to be a sacrifice. Here's what I mean. My gift has to be big enough where I think, oh, Lord, you've got to come through if I'm going to give this. That's faith. It has to be enough of a sacrifice where, hmm, there's something else I can't have because I'm going to give this to the Lord. So this is just me personally. If I gave a few dollars from my wallet and put it in the offering plate, that's not faith and that's not a sacrifice for me. Or about 10% out of my paycheck going directly to the church out of my bank account. Oh, okay. That's faith. That's sacrifice. Our giving also has to reflect the priority of God in our lives. We spend our money on lots of things. But I really think... Um, that if I can't give because of my cable TV, I'm putting that above God. If I can't give because I want to buy this particular car, then I'm not prioritizing God. I really need to prioritize God over things. And so let's come back to Malachi. God says, if you bring in the full tithe, test me in this, see if I'll do it. 
Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and give you so much you won't be able to contain it. Now let's go back to Israel during the time of Joshua. They were supposed to bring the devoted things into the Lord. But there was a man named Achan who kept some of the devoted things and he hid them under his tent. No one knew about it. Achan hid his sin. But it cropped up a few weeks later when Israel is taking on this city called Ai. And uh, it's located on a, a pass from the sea of the, the great, the Dead Sea plain over to the Mediterranean. It's a fortified city. But the spies say, you know, we don't need a lot of guys to take the city. It's not that big. And so Joshua sends up 3,000 people to attack Ai. And when they do, their attack is turned back and they actually end up fleeing from Ai and 36 of their men are killed. And when they come back into camp, they are devastated and uh, Joshua falls on his face. The elders do too in front of the Ark of the Covenant and they're saying, Lord, I thought you were with us. How is this happening? They sit there all day and finally God speaks. He says, Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen, they have lied, and they have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. Then the Lord said, in the morning present yourselves tribe by tribe, and who is caught with the devoted thing, shall be destroyed by fire along with everything that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. So the next morning, the whole assembly of Israel appears before Joshua and before the Lord. And the Lord reveals to Joshua, the man is from the tribe of Judah. So now Judah is in the middle and all of Israel is around them. And then God says, um, it's from the clan of Zerah. And now the clan of Zerah is there and everyone else is on the outside. And then God says that he's from the family of Zimri. So now it's Zimri, the patriarch of this family, and they're there. And then, um, can you imagine them sweating? And then God says, Achan. So Joshua goes up to Achan. He says, give praise to God. Tell us what you have done. And here's Achan's reply. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylon... 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and took them and hid them under my tent. So first of all, Achan coveted the things that were devoted to the Lord. The covet means to inordinately desire, to desire something that you are not supposed to have. 
Now, we can have desires for all kinds of things. For example, you can desire a husband. That's a good thing. But you can't desire someone else's husband. And you can desire a car. That's good. But if you get mad because daddy didn't buy you a car, that's coveting. Achan's sin started with coveting, and and often our sin does too. Because we see something, we desire something, and it's at that point where we judge whether it's right for us to desire it or not. If we know what we desire is off-limits, then at that point, we have to intervene with our own souls and say, no, that is not for me to have. People get into trouble when the desire is formed, and then they start devising ways to get what they want, even if it's not allowed to them. Now, all of us are tempted to covet, It's the human condition to covet. However, when the temptation comes, we can choose to desire God more, to desire Jesus more than sin, and replace the feeling of covetousness with gratitude for what we do have. So Achan coveted the devoted things, He, by taking them and not bringing them to the Lord, stole from God, and then he hid his sin. And, of course, God knew what Achan did. Perhaps we try to hide our sin also, but God sees it. And Jesus says, everything we do in secret will be one day um, brought to light So Achan's sin was exposed, and he and his family were stoned to death by the congregation because he had brought this disaster on Israel. The sin of one had cost the entire nation. Now, usually we think our sin only affects us, but it affects more because we live in more than just the physical realm. We live in the spiritual realm as well. Notice what was happening with Israel. Israel, the Lord was with them. The Lord was leading them. The Spirit of God was with them. There was momentum. And then, bam, it ended because of sin. The spiritual power and forward momentum of the church is related to the holiness and the obedience of her people. And so we all have a role to play in the advance, the spiritual advance of Eastminster and the the advance of the church in Wichita. We all play a, a little bit of a role in that by our obedience. And so let this be your exhortation to, to walk in obedience to the Lord. To, to make him a priority because, you know, East Spencer's on a roll. We don't want it to be derailed.
So after the sin was dealt with, God spoke to Joshua and said, here's how you're going to take the city of Ai. He said, you're going to attack it like you did last time, but this time you're going to send some men behind the city under the cover of darkness at nightfall. They're going to hide and they're going to set up an ambush. And the men of Ai are going to come after you when you come up against them and they're going to leave the city undefended and that's when the, the ambush guys will move in. So that's what Israel did. They, they marched up along to the city of Ai. It's, it's, it's up on a hill. But the night before, another group of thousands had hidden in the hills behind the city. So when Israel comes up again, the, the, the men of Ai say, here they come again, let's, let's go after them. And Israel faked a retreat. And they started to run. And the men of Ai says, hey, let's get all the guys to chase them and wipe them out and we'll be, we'll be done with them forever. So all the guys rush out of Ai. And when they do, the men in the ambush come out of hiding and go into the city and set the city on fire. And when the men of Ai see that their city is on fire, they, they, they start to panic and, and head back towards their city. But now the ambush guys are coming this way. The attacking force is now reversed and just sandwiches in between. And, and it's an overwhelming victory for Israel. And then God says to Israel, everything in the city is yours. Everything in Canaan Gold, silver, fields, animals, crops, they are yours. Why? Because God had finally been given the first fruits. The people understood God will be our priority in our life. And now the presence of God was with them again. And they moved forward to take the land. The primary lesson of Achan is that the Lord has to be our priority. He has to be our priority when it comes to our obedience, and it has to be our priority when it comes to worship and to our giving. Now, you braved the cold and you came to worship today. Uh, 9.30 was really light, so I commend you, right? Uh, but it's not just worship attendance God wants. He wants worship, heartfelt worship. And then God wants us to make our giving to him a priority. You know, um, we judge value by commodities. Here's what I mean by that. Our most precious commodities our time and money, right? Where we spend our time and how we spend our money speaks to the priority, uh, priorities in our life. Now, notice when God's talking about Jericho or the tithe or anything else, he's not saying, hey, everything's mine. But he's saying, prioritize me with the gifts I give you. Prioritize me with your time. And so 
part of being devoted to the Lord and giving him our first fruits is to think about where we spend our time and where we spend our money because if we kept track of time and money and asked ourselves, would someone guess from that that the Lord's a priority? If they couldn't, then we need to adjust our life so that people would say and that we could say, yes, the Lord is a priority in my life. And so the lesson of Achan is to put priorities where there ought to be priorities. I heard of a man who had tickets for the Super Bowl on the 50-yard line. And there was a man sitting way up in the nosebleed, and he could see that there was an empty seat right about midway down. And he thought, what great seats. I can't believe they're empty. And so after the kickoff, he went down and asked the man uh, next to that empty seat, is there anyone sitting in that seat? The man said, no. Man, other man said, can I, can I sit there? And he said, oh, okay, sure. So he sat down and he goes, you know, I can't believe there's an empty seat at this place in the stadium. Who in the world would not, would give up a seat like this? And the man says, actually, that seat is mine. My wife and I have been going to the Super Bowl for years. We sit at the 50-yard line. But um, my wife passed away and so she's not here. The man says, well, couldn't you have invited a friend or a relative to sit here with you? And the man says, "Um, no, because they're all at the funeral. (laughs) Now, my wife isn't laughing. (laughs) And here's why. It's not funny when someone who's supposed to be a priority is not a priority. And something in our life, okay, the things in our life speak to us, they speak to the world, they speak to God. What are the priorities in our life? Now, to be fair to both genders, I'm going to tell you another story. There's this man, and he has this racing heart, and it pounds, and he has these pounding headaches, and he goes to the doctor, and the doctor does some tests, and he says, look, you're under a lot of stress. Your, your, your blood pressure's out of control. You're under a lot of anxiety. If you don't bring that anxiety down, um, you're going to die. So um, I want you to send your wife to come see me. So the wife comes to the doctor. The doctor sits her down and says, look, your husband is under a lot of stress. He works for a a stressful company, and he really needs to to work there, but you can make things easier for him at home. So when he comes home from work, make sure the kids are quiet and not screaming or running around. Uh, Prepare him a, a nice drink and have him sit in his favorite chair and just let him relax, you know, before dinner. And then prepare him a a healthy dinner. And then uh, after dinner, when he's ready for bed, why don't you just relax him by giving him a massage and a a foot rub. And and do this every day. That will bring down his stress. Because if you don't, your husband's going to die. 
So the wife comes home, the husband asks her, what did the doctor say? She said, he said, you're going to die. Priorities. We choose them every day. Achan did not make God his priority. Hopefully, we will. Let us pray. Our Lord, we invite you to examine our hearts. And we ask the question, would we know, would anyone else know, would you know that you are a priority? So Lord, we ask you by your Holy Spirit to give us a heart that puts you first. Speak to us, Lord. And now, Lord, we're going to worship you. And how we worship speaks to how we prioritize you. So we're going to command our heart, our soul, our mind, our bodies, our mouth, we're going to command them to worship you so that we're just not going through the motions, but we are indeed worshiping you with all of our being. Would you help us do that, Holy Spirit? So now let's stand and let's continue to worship our Lord.